WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Janae Pierre. We begin on Long Island, where the former campaign treasurer for Representative George Santos will plead guilty in a federal court. Nancy Marks resigned from her post as Santos's treasurer in January. She's the second Santos campaign staffer to face criminal charges after federal prosecutors indicted another campaign staffer in August. Santos, a Republican who represents a sliver of Queens and portions of Long Island, pled not guilty on a 13-count indictment in May. His case is expected to be back in court on October 27th. In Manhattan, a New York City police officer accused of punching someone 13 times pleaded not guilty to a misdemeanor assault charge in court this week. WNYC's Samantha Max has the details. Prosecutors say Christian Zapata repeatedly punched a man while responding to a call about a child in emotional distress. Zapata has said he used the least amount of force necessary after the man became aggressive. The officer entered the courtroom in handcuffs dressed in a dark suit with a close-cropped beard and his hair combed back. After the cuffs were removed, Zapata leaned forward. He tapped his fingers on the table and stroked his beard. Zapata only said a few words during the brief arraignment, and his attorney declined to comment. The NYPD demoted Zapata earlier this year and has suspended him without pay. A judge released him without bail while he awaits trial. Stay close. We'll head to New Jersey after the break. As gender-affirming medical care becomes increasingly difficult to access for young trans people across the country, New Jersey is looking to position itself as a refuge. With at least a dozen states passing laws restricting such care for minors, Governor Phil Murphy signed an executive order to ensure access and to protect New Jersey doctors who provide care to people who come to them from outside the state. But even so, it isn't always easy for trans people to get the care they're seeking. WNYC's Michael Hill talked with Lilo Stainton a healthcare reporter for NJ Spotlight News who recently wrote about this. Before we get to their conversation, a quick warning. This discussion mentions suicide and includes frank talk about body parts. You talk about gender-affirming surgery as life-saving care. Would you talk more about that? This was something that really struck me in my conversations with these, these doctors and other healthcare providers. You see the statistics like, you know, eight in 10 people who are trans or non-binary um, consider suicide, as many as half actually attempt it. And those are numbers that are way higher than sort of the population at large. But what really got to me was this anecdote about 
Um, I believe there were two individuals who were on the list for surgery, bottom surgery, and the pandemic struck and all non-essential surgeries were put on hold. And one person at least decided this is not this is not a weight I can tolerate. You know, the end is not in sight and chose to end their life instead. What kinds of procedures and services are included in gender affirming care? Just so that we're clear. I think that's an important question because I went into this really thinking it was all about sex organs and what they call bottom surgery, which is, you know, either building a penis or creating a vagina. But there are many, many other parts of gender affirming care. Um, It could be breast surgery reduction or um, adding breasts. I mean, There are many ways that people want to change their gender identity and how they express that. And it's bottom surgery is sort of the least common, a very small sliver of people who go through any gender affirming care. I mean, hormone treatment is also a big part of this. So people who go through that, very few go through with sort of the ultimate bottom surgery. Gender-affirming treatment has been available for decades now. And as I mentioned, New Jersey now has legislation to protect people's access to it. Why is it still difficult for trans people, though, to get medical care? Well, I think one thing is people don't like to talk about it. Even the providers who do the work, I think they a lot of them are nervous and scared because they have been targeted in other states. Um, then there's the cost. I mean, the cost of these procedures are huge. They are supposed to be covered by insurance, but not everybody has insurance. Um, There's the stigma, you know, um, going for treatments like this. There's the time off from work. Uh, A bottom surgery can involve multiple procedures and months near a hospital because, you know, of follow-up care. So there's a huge investment sort of economically and in life of what you have to put in to get this care. Lilo, you highlight specifically the work of two RWJ Barnabas Health Hospitals in gender-affirming care. Tell us about what they're doing over there and why their work is especially important. The Cooperman Barnabas in Livingston uh, was the site of the first uh, phalloplasty or penis construction in the state back in 2018. Um, And since then, they've really, Dr. Keith and his colleagues have really built out the practice. They've expanded and they now do this work at the Somerset Hospital as well. Um, Dr. Keith also has a private practice. I mean, Dr. Keith said, you know, I would go to jail in Texas if I was, you know, for doing what I do. Um, But this is something that the hospital has felt is important. Um, They have supported these surgeries and created actually an entire team um, to support care. These are programs that Barnabas created to provide wraparound services. Um, There's an enormous mental health and psychological component of this. Um, While these are not the only people doing this work in the state, it does appear to be sort of the largest, most coordinated package of care available for trans people in New Jersey. Lilo, you say it's important, obviously, for doctors to be medically qualified to do this, but you also make a point that it's important for them to be culturally qualified. What do you mean by that? Just like we learn about racism in medical practice, I mean, there is a lot of unconscious bias that's going on. I think it's very much the same with LGBTQ and particularly trans care. Um, Look, doctors and nurses are humans too. Not everybody is comfortable with these concepts. But um, Dr. Keith says there's a real need to, to train the next generation 
of surgeons and other providers who understand the community, um, support them, and understand some of the little things that you can do or not do to make this care really a life-saving difference. We mentioned Governor Murphy has signed an executive order, but that only holds for as long as he is in office. What does that lead the future of access to gender-affirming care in New Jersey? It's interesting. I mean, as I'm reporting this, Senator Durr, who's a conservative senator from the South Jersey, um, has a bill in that would ban gender-affirming care for minors. I don't think that is going to get traction in New Jersey, given, you know, the Democratic control of the legislature and sort of the liberal bent of this state. But on the other hand, we are watching Democratic leaders sort of side with school districts that are choosing parents' rights over the rights of transgender students, perhaps, in parental notification situations. It's interesting to me that, you know, this being an election year, some Democrats are sort of tiptoeing around this issue a lot more cautiously than they used to. That's Lilo Stainton, healthcare reporter for NG Spotlight News, talking with WNYC's Michael Hill. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow.